Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver, and, you know, I didn't do a show on Friday. Uh, you know, it was after the Game 5 win by Boston. I'm thinking, ah, it's over. It's over in six. As soon as Game 4 was over, I'm like, okay, Miami's going to go and get this thing over with on Saturday night. And, uh, well, I was wrong. By two-tenths of a second, but albeit I was wrong. Um, obviously, I'm going to get to game six. Uh, the heart-stopping, unbelievable, historic ending between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. I also have my man Patrick Brown of the Forum Lakers podcast. Don't freak out, Nuggets fans. Nuggets fans have been all over me today. We're not just talking Lakers, okay? So chill out. He's going to be on the show to talk, obviously, game six. Game 7, which I'll be predicting at the end of the show, as well as another uh, whole other range of NBA topics uh, revolving around the playoffs. I'll also discuss as well DeAndre Hopkins, released by the Arizona Cardinals on Friday. I think there are three very obvious destinations for him. One in particular that stands out to me and I think makes perfect sense. I'll get to that uh, later on today's show. But first and foremost, I did want to take a moment to say um, it is Memorial Day. And uh, I just want to take a moment to um, to remember those who gave their lives to sacrifice for this, get, uh, sacrifice everything for this great country. Um, you know, w- listen, I don't have to tell you that there's many things here in America that we've got to improve upon. But the reality is we have the freedom to push for said things to happen. We have the freedom to do things that people in other countries can't even imagine um, in terms of the rights we have of, of free speech, free in the press, etc. So, uh, listen, I, I always, we, we talk about Memorial Day, and we obviously first and foremost remember those who, who did give their lives, but I also want to, want to kind of take a moment also to think about uh, and pray for the families who have lost uh, loved ones um, fighting for this country because, you know, we, we don't, I feel like we don't talk about enough 
um, that while the sacrifice and the commitment to those uh, who fight for uh, this nation should always and every day be commended, uh, not just on Memorial Day, but the families. Because the reality is they're, you know, they're sacrificing just as much as two, you know, uh, having to stay back at home. So, um, and, and pray, pray to God that their loved one is able to come home. So on this Memorial Day, I, there's a great, great quote I wanted to read today real quick from, in my view, the greatest president in the history of this country, Abraham Lincoln, uh, said. He said, quote, honor to the soldier and sailor everywhere who bravely bears his country's cause. Honor also to the citizen who cares for his brother in the field and serves as best he can the same cause. Honor to him, less only than to him who braves for the common good the storms of heaven and the storms of battle. Uh, and it was also once said, I, I saw this quote uh, as well, the patriot's blood is from the, is the seed of freedom's tree. So never, ever take for granted, and none of us can take for granted, uh, what these remarkable men and women have done uh, for this country, giving everything up. Uh, and so just want to remember them today, remember their families, and... Uh, Definitely not forget that. There's a lot of, you know, we, we talk about sports. There's a lot going on. Celtics, Heat, Game 7. Going to get into Game 6 in just a moment. Uh, but while we enjoy that game tonight or enjoy whatever you do for Memorial Day, uh, never forget that first and foremost on this Memorial Day. Now, Saturday night, Boston, Miami. Heat were up three games to none. Boston stole game four in Boston. I'm sorry, Boston stole game four in Miami. Took care of business. Did not trail for even a second in game five. Like we, as we all expected. Although I did pick Miami to win game five in fairness. But game six, it felt like it was kind of the game for Miami, right? It's the one where they got to close out at home. This is the opportunity. You do not want to go back to game seven in Boston. If not for the reasons that you might think to me, it has more to do with the fact, just the psychological impact of being up three games to none. Only three teams have been up 3-0 and lost it and gone on to a game seven, but all three teams went on to win said game seven. Uh, Boston obviously going home to the TD Garden tonight. Boston, in many ways, thoroughly outplayed Miami. And I'll get into sort of the nuts and bolts of my argument in just a moment. But just in case, after or prior to the Jimmy Butler made three free throws, with exactly three seconds left in the basketball game to put the Miami Heat up by a point. Just in case you missed it, just in case you weren't able to see it live, first of all, I hate to hear that. I'm genuinely sorry to, to hear that you're able to see this iconic moment live. But here's what happened. White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. I don't think he got that in in time. Great effort by Derek White. And didn't I say you have? Oh, they're saying on the floor they're counting it. You have to protect the offensive rebounding. Oh, he got Long rid of it. He That's sure a did. Celtic and win and we're going to game seven. The Celtics are going to win. There's a game seven back in Boston. Ruling on the floor is good basket. The play's under review. White. What a finish to this game. It was as stunning a moment as you could possibly imagine in that situation. As a matter of fact, Derek White now only joins Michael Jordan as the only player to hit a buzzer-beating shot in which if you miss, you're eliminated. 
So, like, essentially, it's, it's not like series-ending buzzer be like we saw Damian Lillard do it twice in 2014, 2019. It's not one of those. It is, if you miss, your season is over. Only one of those to that point had been hit, and that was obviously, as Cleveland fans know, the shot made by Michael Jordan uh, in the middle midst of his prime in his career. And now Derek White joins that club by the absolute skin of his teeth, the skin of the Celtics' teeth, to force a Game 7. I do not in any way want to come across as a Boston Celtics hater. I'm actually a Boston Red Sox fan. So I have sort of a love-hate relationship with the city of Boston. I think it could be a little um, crude at times. But I mean, listen, it is sports. Although, you know, listen, when they, when they go to the, the racist route, that's where I completely draw the line. But point being. I don't want to come across as anti-Celtics here because you guys know I'm a big Jason Tatum fan. I've always, I've always been a Tatum defender on this show. That game was more about what Miami didn't do than what Boston did do. Boston tried as hard as they could to get the, that game to Miami. You look at the fourth quarter, okay? I'll, I'll get into what happened before that, but you look at the fourth quarter, okay? Boston is in a situation where they're up nine with three minutes to go. Does that in any way sound familiar to game seven last year when they were up, I think it was 12 or 13 with three minutes left? They struggle in these situations. They struggle to close game one when Jimmy Butler went off. They struggle to close game two when Grant Williams, my man, woke up the beast that was Jimmy Butler. And up to this point, Jimmy Butler had, let's be honest, below average games. games. Game three wasn't that great, but it didn't have to be. His teammates showed up and Miami routed Boston. I said Boston quit that game. Game four didn't play that great, but eh, it's game four. You, you know, you can't always sweep everybody. You'll see what happens. Did not play it well at all in game five. And last night, shot five. I'm sorry, not last night. Saturday night, shot five for 21. His teammate, Bam Adebayo, offensively. Now, he was good on the offensive glass. I'll give him that. Although he wasn't able to secure that last rebound at the end. But Bam Adebayo, four for 16. So, the two best players for Miami, outside of Jimmy, in literally the last minute in which he scored the Miami Heat's final 10 points, didn't show up when they needed him most. Boston... Forget Jason Tatum went 0 for 8 from 3. Boston as a team shot 20%, 7 for 35 from 3-point range. You had some turnovers mixed in there. You had, I mean, you had a situation where they crashed the, they crashed the, uh, uh, the paint to stop Jimmy Butler. Duncan Robinson has as open a look as you'll get with a minute left. I don't want to crush Duncan Robinson today because he is a role player, and I don't, I know he's a great shooter. I don't necessarily expect him to hit that shot to which I would expect like a Clay Thompson, for example, to hit. But that's as open as you'll get. He also had a good look with about 20 seconds left. They're in transition. Uh, Miami is uh, down by two. Kick out to Duncan on the left wing. It felt a little rushed. Reminded me of a Jordan Poole shot in the Lakers series in game one. Similar to that, although it was a much better look for Duncan. He missed that as well. So Miami continuously opens the door, opens the door, opens the door for Miami to, to run through. And they almost did. Credit to Jimmy Butler drawing the foul on and Al Horford, although I think that was more just bad defense by Al Horford, a bad foul, just kind of panicking that situation, right? The clock's running down. Jimmy's kind of taking his time a little bit, wanting to get to his spot. Turns out his foot is behind the three-point line, both toes are rather. 
you get the three free throws, Jimmy, as I knew he would, as I you know was talking to a buddy during the game, knew he'd knock down all three. That's exactly what he did. And then, of course, that last moment happens. To me, and I'll get to sort of the Boston outlook. I'll talk more about Game 7 later. But to me, two people in particular deserve blame for – because I, I want to give credit to White, too, because people said, White doesn't crash the glass. Boston season is over, and we're talking about a Heat Nuggets series today. So credit to White, absolutely. But two people from Miami deserves the most blame. Number one is Max Struess. Max Struess is guarding the inbounder, which is Derek White. But he has his back to him. He's kind of playing center field, looking to see where he throws it. And by the time he, you, you can see on the tape, he's rushing to try and, you know, grab the rebound. But White's already got the angle on him. So there's no way he's going to be able to get in. He'd have to probably foul him, and that's the worst-case scenario for Miami. Or I guess second worst because the worst case is what happened for the Heat. And the second one, to me, just as if not more egregious, Bam Adebayo. If you watch the play again, Adebayo's going out to contest the smart three. When Smart shoots that, that, that catch-and-shoot shot, which, by the way, almost went in. I, I actually thought that was down You know when he, when he let it go. He's boxing out Al Horford. But when Smart lets the ball go, there's two seconds left. Horford's not getting the basketball. Now, I'm not saying you box out White or you box out Tatum, who also crashed the glass on the right side of the rim. Man, Bam Adebayo was as active a player on the offensive glass. Do, do we have the – yeah, he had uh, – hold on. Let me get the offensive rebounds for, for Bam. Yeah, he had seven offensive rebounds uh, this, this past game. Like, that's, that's the one you got to come up with. That's not an offensive rebound, obviously, but that's a key rebound he's got to, you know, come up with. And I will say this about the Boston Celtics, because if you remember last week when I issued my apology to the Heat fan base, of which I have nothing but respect for. I know some Heat fans. Heat, Heat fans are awesome. The city of Miami is awesome. The Heat organization is as well run as any in professional sports. Um, and I felt bad because I was the only human being in – Sports media, be it radio, podcasting, television, that said Miami could go on a deep playoff run, check the tape back in February. I literally said that. And I felt bad three games in about picking the Boston Celtics to win the series. But when I was talking about Boston, I said, man, they really miss Ime Udoka. But the one thing I will give Joe Missoula is this. And I've, listen, I've bashed Joe Missoula. But I, want, I have to be consistent. We can't say Joe Mazzulla deserves all the blame when they lose and none of the credit when they win. The one thing I will absolutely give him is this. I heard Steve Kerr talking about years ago. He said, coaching in the NBA is different than almost any other sport. Mate, you could argue baseball is a little similar. But coach the NBA is 10% X's and O's, 90% managing personalities. Making sure they're ready to go. Joe Mazzulla did not do that in game three. Since then... Celtics team spirit is up. Joe Mazzulla is bringing, you saw he had a great press conference. I think it was after game five. It was a beautiful moment where he was talking about sort of perspective on life. Keeping the team spirits high, having them ready to, ready to play. Boston's coming up with more effort plays than Miami is, which that was where Miami was crushing Boston through the first three games. So Mazzulla deserves a lot of credit in that regard as well. Jason Tatum. Now, again, wasn't good in the fourth quarter. 0 for 8 from 3. But he dropped 30 again in an elimination game. That's kind of what he's been prone to do. The Celtics now in the last two years, 8-1 and one in elimination games. The one loss is, of course, to the best player on the planet, Steph Curry. That's neither here nor there. This is what they do. Down 3-2 to Milwaukee, came back. Game 7 against Miami, won. Um, uh, down 3-2 to Philly, won those two games. Down 3-0 to Miami. And they just might do something that's never been done 
in NBA history. And that is, of course, come back from a 3-0 deficit. More on Game 7 later and my prediction. Uh, it's a, I'll say this. It's a lose-lose for me predicting this game because I had Boston and 7 coming into the series. And then I felt terrible, not just because Miami was up, but because I was like, man, I'm the only dude that picked Miami to do anything in the postseason, middle of the year, when they were the 7-8 seed, nobody believed in them. I said, Miami can, Miami's a threat. And I felt bad about not picking them. And so, but I also, in the same sense, I believe in pick integrity. I believe when you make a pick, you live and die by that pick. What do I do? Well, find out at the end of today's show. Got a comment here. Uh, my man Parnell here at the Grid. What's up, Parnell? Host the Commander's Demand podcast. Parnell, will Jason Tatum have another Game 7 like he did against Philadelphia? I don't see a 50-burger, Parnell. Um, here's what I will tell you. He's getting his 30. Is it an efficient 30? That's, to me, the question. Is he aggressive in the final moments? Which, that's that was my... I did my NBA playoff weaknesses, which I do for the NBA and the NFL every year going into the playoffs. Like every team, what's their biggest weakness? And for me, Boston's was, it probably should have been coaching. But what I put was Tatum's aggressiveness in late game situations. Overwhelmingly, that hasn't been the issue. You look at game six against Philly. You look at uh, uh, game, uh, game five was kind of a blow. That's a bad example. Game four against Miami, hitting some big shots, not letting the heat get back the game, get momentum. Um, that's to me the question. What's his aggressiveness if the game is tight? Uh, is he able to get to his spots when he wants, where he wants? Because, listen, a lot of his points in this series, again, he only shot eight for 22 on Saturday. A lot of his points have come at the free throw line, which, listen, if you need to slow the tempo down, Miami's going a little bit of run, uh, a little bit of a run, get to the free throw line, calm yourself down, get the crowd back into it. So whatever you got to do, Jason Tatum is, is a guy who, I will say this, Boston wins tonight. Why on earth are we not talking about Jason Tatum as a top five player in the NBA? I'm dead serious. Okay, KD has yet to make a conference finals since leaving Golden State. Joel Embiid has never made a conference finals, period. Okay, to me, the only guys that are absolutely cemented, nothing you can do to take them out of the top five are Steph, Jokic, and Giannis. Those are the guys, like, you can't remove them as we sit here today. Uh, sp spots four and five are up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. Okay, only NFL topic of the day, but it was some pretty big news on Friday. So we've been following this DeAndre Hopkins. I haven't talked about it a ton on my show, but the following around DeAndre Hopkins, what's going to happen? Are the Cardinals going to trade him? Obviously, he's made it pretty pretty well known. He's kind of done with the Cardinals organization, which can you blame him uh, with the turmoil that's going on with their quarterback, with their head coach, with their organization as a whole. They're, they're kind of a dumpster fire and, dare I say, might be in the Caleb Williams or Drake May sweepstakes. But he wants out, or wanted out, rather. And the Cardinals on Friday cut bait. They released him. So it was confusing. I was actually talking to Ryan Flowers, who you guys might know, Clutch Sports Talk of the Grid. We're talking about, it, and he was saying, I think the contract has a lot to do with it. Like teams are going to be more weary about saying, okay, if if we don't, if we have to give up a lot for DeAndre, not only do we lose picks and assets, but we also got to pay uh, a lot of his contract. Now you don't have to give up anything, and you like, in all likelihood, will not have to pay him as much. So you bring that component to the table. So DeAndre Hopkins is, is certainly has been one of the more productive receivers in the NFL. Uh, you look at some of the quarterback play he had in Houston. I mean, he's having like Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler and Tom Savage. I mean, the only competent quarterback he really had was Desha Deshaun Watson for a couple of years, and that was about it. 
Uh, Kyler Murray was solid in 2021, but how much credit goes to Kyler and how much goes to DeAndre? Because once DeAndre got hurt, Kyler hasn't been the same since. And even when DeAndre came back, Kyler still couldn't get back to, to what he was. So needless to say, DeAndre Hopkins is one of those dudes where doesn't matter what quarterback you give him or what system, dude is going to get open and dude's going to give you 1,200 yards minimum and double-digit touchdowns. He wants to go to a contender, and he talked about on a podcast, uh, I think he listed five quarterbacks. Not all of them are coming to my mind at the second, but certain quarterbacks, obviously, talking about Mahomes and guys like that. To me, there are three destinations that make the most sense, that are the most obvious for DeAndre Hopkins. In third, in the third spot, Kansas City. Now, if Kansas City has DeAndre Hopkins, holy smokes, the league is in trouble. You have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Travis Kelsey, you have the running game that they have with Isaiah Pacheco. And now their offensive line, I don't think is going to be quite as good since they lost uh, my man Orlando Brown to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a big, big loss for Kansas City in the offseason. But they still have a plethora of young weapons. I like the potential of Sky Moore. And Andy Reid is the best offensive coach, in my view, in the NFL, slightly above Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. That makes all the sense of the world. You get a number one op- option for Patrick Mahomes. Different, very different player than Tyree Kill. Uh, but I listen, Mahomes is the type of dude to make anybody work. DeAndre would be a perfect fit there. It would feel more like a, a luxury and not a necessity move for Kansas City. Now, if they add him, they're obviously a significantly better football team. They're a significantly better offense. And who's to say they're not the favorites once again to, if not just come out of the AFC, but to Maybe win it all. Maybe to go back-to-back, which nobody's done in two decades. So Kansas City's in third place for me. Second's Buffalo. Buffalo, I think, needs him the most. Of the teams that want to contend in certainly the AFC, which is just quarterback loaded, it makes the most sense for him to go to Buffalo. First of all, we don't know what's up with Stephon Diggs. Okay, he hasn't been in OTAs. He's kind of made some noise this offseason. He's not happy. I don't know if it's with his contract or whatnot. If they don't have Stephon Diggs, folks, have you seen Buffalo's receiving core? It's Awful. So not only do you get a, if worst case scenario, Stephon Dix said, hey, I want I want out of Buffalo. Okay, well, a good replacement would be DeAndre Hopkins, which opens up the offense, of course, for everybody else. And potentially as a guy who could help Josh Allen cut down on turnovers because he's a dude, you throw to DeAndre Hopkins. A, he's not dropping the ball. B, if it's in the vicinity of a defensive back to potentially take the ball away, DeAndre's not letting that happen. He's a little Julio Jones-esque in that regard. Buffalo makes sense. I think Buffalo, of the three teams I'm mentioning, needs him the most. But the one I think that makes the most sense, kind of that healthy in-between, where Kansas City would be more of a luxury than necessity, and Buffalo, where it's the other way, that healthy medium, the Baltimore Ravens. You pair DeAndre Hopkins with Odell Beckham Jr. and with Zay Flowers, who they just took out of Boston College in the first round, who I love, and Mark Andrews. You've committed long-term to Lamar Jackson. The man finally got his contract. He is the Ravens quarterback for the long-term. You are in a forget conference. You're in a, in a division that is quarterback loaded. Joe Burrow, his resume to this point speaks for itself. The Bengals resume to this point speaks for itself. Pittsburgh, I like the emergence of Kenny Pickett, and Pittsburgh's gotten him some weapons, taking advantage of him being on that rookie deal. And as for Cleveland, I may not like Cleveland as a city or as an organization. I think Deshaun Watson's due for a bounce back year. A full offseason, you know, with Amari Cooper, 
with Cedric Tillman, a man out of Tennessee who I think is going to make a big impact for him. And with Kevin Stefanski, who's one of the more underrated offensive play designers in the league. And of course, a great running game and a great offensive line. I think Deshaun's going to have a bounce back here. It's kind of that healthy medium where you don't necessarily need DeAndre Hopkins to, to be a great offense. I mean, Baltimore averaged darn near 30 with Lamar in the lineup last year with no OBJ, with no potentially DeAndre Hopkins, with no Zay Flowers. So Lamar's already in a better position today than he was last season in terms of the weapons around him. It's not Mark Andrews or bust. It's not running game or bust. But now you add a top five receiver in the NFL, and what that would also do for Odell Beckham is it would put him in a very similar role that he was in two years ago with the LA Rams. Odell was still a quasi 1A wide receiver, like capable for going for 1,000 yards, but on most championship contending teams wouldn't be your best wide out. But because you had Cooper Cup taking away all the attention, taking away all the double teams, now Odell's just dealing with single high man-to-man. Same situation in Baltimore. And now you have Zay Flowers in the slot, who reminds me of a more athletic Julian Edelman, faster than Julian Edelman, but runs just as hard and is not afraid of the contact. And then Mark Andrews is obviously your security blanket. I think Baltimore makes all the sense in the world. I think DeAndre Hopkins would be a seamless fit with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, somebody who on this show, I always say there's three quarterbacks I defend to the death. And that's Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson, who I believe is the best of the three. He does have an MVP after all. Yeah, DeAndre. That's dangerous. That's no joke. Okay, so uh, by the way, also, and I'll, I'll get into this with uh, with with our next guest. Uh, Nick Nurse is now the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. I like the hire. There's just one variable that concerns me just a little bit and has nothing to do uh, with Coach Nurse. So I'll get into that uh, later on today's show with our next guest, who is the host of the Forum Lakers podcast, as well as the Chaotic Sports podcast here at the Grid Network. Denver Nuggets fans who have been all over my back all, all morning and all afternoon. We're not just talking Lakers, okay? Like, don't freak out. Don't lose your minds. We're talking Lakers. It's not first and foremost. We'll talk Nuggets. So you can get your little fix here, and we will talk, obviously, Eastern Conference Finals Game 6 and Game 7. Would you please give a very warm welcome to the host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast and the Forum Lakers Podcast. Patrick Brown of the Forum Lakers Podcast. Patrick, are you uh, are you able to hear me? How are you, how you doing? I'm doing good, Bryson. Happy Monday. Is my audio good on your end? Sounds great. Sounds great, man. Glad to be back, man. Have I said my happy Mondays to you and your family? Hey, absolutely to you and yours as well. Uh, first of all, uh, game six. I'll let you. I'll let you have the floor because I don't really know what to say other than what I said earlier. <laughs> One word: chaos. That's appropriate. That was one of the more crazier sequences I'd ever seen. I fell asleep listening to the game, in all honesty. Ooh. I fell asleep listening to the game on Saturday night. I just happened to wake up and saw a plethora of notifications saying Celtics forced game seven. I go back and watch the highlight reel. And how in the world did he get that shot off before the clock read 0-0? Zero, zero? If Miami had just blocked out that side of the rim, yep. we're ha having a different conversation today. 
But when the Miami Heat's best player in Jimmy Butler is not aggressive through three quarters and comes live in the fourth, you can't refute that, Bryson. You can't. Your best player has to be an attackable from start to finish. And Bam Adebayo didn't help himself either. It was Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, and Max Struess who came along for the ride. Your best player has to be the focal point in getting the job done, getting the team to the finish. If he's not aggressive, those that's the kind of result that we have. And I was flabbergasted, and I'm about like everybody else. I've watched it several times, and I still can't believe what I saw. It's one of those things, if you were not awake or tuned in when it happened live, I don't know what to tell you, and I'm guilty of that today, but knowing what had just happened, I took some time, I rewatched it, I slept on it, I watched it again, and it's just like game seven, the best two words in professional sports. That's it. If Boston pulls this off, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What what will we say tomorrow morning on all the shows? What does this tell us about Jimmy Butler having a 3-0 lead and blowing it? Mm. Well, everybody, everybody ostracizes LeBron for his shortcomings. We've ostracized KD, Giannis, all the great players. If Jimmy Butler is on this plethora of great players, where where does Miami go from here? What would we say this season was for them? As you refer to them as Jimmy Butler and the Dark Horses. The Dark Horses showed up Saturday night. Yep. But you're going back to Boston for a game seven after having a 3-0 lead. The corniest line in the whole series, don't let us get one win. Mm-hmm. It's coming full circle tonight. Boston's got the momentum going back home. The pressure's still on Miami to get one game. There's no way on God's green earth that they can recover from that. You think it's over? I think Boston puts Nell in a coffin in the first half. Wow, okay. The, the only way Miami stays in this game, Bryson, Jimmy Butler, he has to run off 23 points in the first quarter. Okay, so we're talking like you know, like LeBron heater, like in game He's, four against Denver. He's got to run it off. He has to get going early. He cannot be passive aggressive because then it adds more pressure on the others to say, okay, our best player's not attacking. Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess were phenomenal. You live with that shot that he took. It was about as wide open as you can get. But the play before that was Al Horford's big block that pretty much that pretty much 
you know, got that got Boston back in business. Right. But if Al Horford doesn't foul Jimmy Butler, it's just go just go straight up without you know any kind of contact. You live with that because it's a highly contested shot. But once he fouled Jimmy, I was like, Boston just lost this game. They just lost it. But credit to Boston. As much as it pays me to say this, I'm a Lakers fan. They didn't quit. They have been the better team through three quarters. It's just that fourth quarter, about midway through, they just start getting reckless. But if Miami has any chance tonight, bro, it starts with Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler comes out flat and he's not fully in, Miami's done. But he has to come out and he has to put this team, put the pressure on the Celtics in the first quarter by scoring at least 21 or 23 points. That sounds like a tall task, but Jimmy is one of those guys, if he can get to his spots just like any other player, he's hard to stop. It all comes down to him. If he doesn't show up, what are we going to say and what is the sports media shows going to say tomorrow morning if Miami blows this game after having a 3-0 lead? I mean, I think we crush him like we win any, you know, not just great player. I think we crush any team that blows a 3-0 deficit. Like, you know, I think, too, you mentioned the pressure being on Miami as we sort of shift now to Game 7. And that's there's no question about the You're up 3-0. Now you got to face a Game 7, you know, away from home. I would argue not quite as much. There's a lot of pressure on Boston, Patrick. You've been bad at home the last two postseasons. Really, the last seven playoff series, you have not been a good home playoff team. And I'm, I'm checking the line now. Uh, yeah, it's still where it's at. You're favored by seven and a half. Everybody expects mm-hmm. you to win this basketball game. Miami has no momentum coming into this basketball game. Uh, Tatum, albeit he struggled in the fourth quarter the other night, but again, he's averaging 30 in elimination games. We expect a big performance from him. Jalen Brown, who's kind of been all over the place this series, we expect him to show up. And as you mentioned, sort of the others, guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, guys like that, Robert Williams, uh, to show up. I would argue... I, I would argue, listen, it, would you have a game seven, especially this late in the playoffs? It's obviously devastating for the team that loses. I think it gets to a different level of that, considering where these two teams were three games in and where we are now. Boston is devastating where it's, man, we fought all this way back and we lost a home game seven with a chance not just to go to the NBA Finals, we would have home court against Denver because they had a better record than the Nuggets this season. Uh, and as for Miami, obviously the the unthinkable blowing a 3-0 deficit, which I don't know if we ever thought we'd see in our in our lifetime. Certainly not this postseason. So uh, no, it's it, it's a stunning turn of events. And I'm glad you brought up Jimmy Butler's because I was tweeting about this during the game, lack of aggressiveness. Because I remember there was a play. It had I think it was seven or eight minutes left. I can't even remember what the score was. But Jimmy's got a good look under the basket. We know he likes that sort of back down, short fadeaway jumper. Mm-hmm. And he's not even looking at the basket. Like it's I, I get on my man Draymond Green about this on occasion. Like like bro, if you're open, shoot. Um, it was it was kind of a similar situation with Jimmy. Like ooh ooh that that is not that is not the Jimmy we've been accustomed to seeing in these big moments. And it was it was kind of shocking to see. And then obviously to his credit, he scored the Heat's last ten points uh, in the final minute of the of the game. Uh, if Miami is to Keep it close. Forget when. If they are to keep it close, you mentioned Jimmy. That goes without saying. 
Who's that number two guy? Because there's been a lot of guys this series. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson had a well, he missed those two shots at a solid game six, as did Bam Adebayo, you know, not offensively, but the offensive glass. Who's that one Miami player that you're like, he's got to go on, along for the ride uh, with, with Jimmy Baller? I've got one in mind, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Kyle Lowry. I was thinking the same thing. Same Kyle, Lowry, player. Kyle Lowry has to be the Robin to Jimmy's Batman. Because, like I said, if Jimmy Butler's not aggressive to start the game, that just sucks the life out of that team. And a bam at a bio, it's not crashing the boards and getting the hustle plays. Miami has no shot either. Because we all know Coach Spo is going to throw everything he's got at the Celtics. But it's going to come down to Jimmy Butler. It's just it's a full circle. Back around to him. Kyle Lowry's got to be there along with him for the ride. If those two get going and Bam Adebayo can get a few easy buckets here and there and focus on the defensive side of the ball, his offense will flow. Sure. So if you get those three components or those three players going, it's going to make Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, and Max Struess' jobs easier. I would like to see Kevin Love more on the floor as well. Kind of helps stretch the floor a little bit, you know, open it up. Because as you can see, whenever Boston goes with, you know, Grant or Robert Williams, it looks like Robert Williams is out playing Bam out of bio by a long shot. Oh, yeah, he has. That that play he had with the alley-oop, that, that was nasty. I was like, that was a beautiful sequence. But I still would like to see Jimmy Butler, run it up, run, try to get going early. As far as Boston, this this is a big game for them. They can join their their city's sports teams as coming back from deficits. The Red Sox in 04. The Patriots against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. The Bruins. Bruins did it twice. Came back from yeah, twice. Twice. So they're right there. It, they've got a little bit of favor on their side tonight because we all know that crowd is going to be ruckus oh yeah that fan base is going wild if jimmy butler gets going early and they can keep it within single digits they have themselves a game in the final four minutes in the fourth quarter but they cannot stop being aggressive from start to finish boston for their sake, this is not going to be the game to have erratic mistakes. And they're prone to do that. Yep. But at the end of the day, tonight's game is only about one player, Jimmy Butler. For Miami or for the just the game in total? For the game in total, it's about Jimmy wow. Butler because okay. this, this is almost – it feels like a legacy game for him. That's fair. To an extent. It's a fair assessment. Because if he's on that plethora of great players like we put him on, he's got to go out and be great tonight. He has to have a big first quarter. And he can keep it going into the second quarter. You put the pressure on Boston to push their buttons to make the adjustments. As far as Miami goes, they go as Jimmy goes. Kyle Lowry's got to be Robin to the Batman. Bam out of bio's got to crash the boards and get going, 
you know, the hustle plays, those, those extra possessions on offense. They do all that. They can sneak out of there and avoid being on the wrong side, wrong side of history. So I, I, I feel you. And I think what, to me, I would like to see Jimmy do what we've seen in many cases, LeBron do in playoff games where sets the tone early, gets everybody going for the next two quarters. Cause it's not like Miami's short on, on three point shooters. Uh, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Vincent Robinson, Strews, Kevin Love, if he gets some runway tonight and then the fourth quarter, if it's close, listen, the last, the absolute last thing I see happening tonight, unless which listen, I guess we saw it a year ago with the, the Mavs and the Suns, where the Suns just totally laid down and, and died in the first quarter and never recovered. Mm-hmm. I can't see a scenario which Miami just wipes the floor with Boston. That's, to me, the only way for both teams to win, I don't think Boston can win close, and I don't think Miami can win in a blowout. To me, if Boston wins, the, like it, it, it's all, the, the outcome's been decided with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. If Miami wins, it's down to like the last two or three possessions. So, uh, and, and I think, listen, the, the talent gap as well, this is why I've never doubted for a second. Boston's more talented than Miami. Okay, Jason Tatum's a two-time first-team All-NBA guy. Jalen Brown's an All-NBA NBA guy and an All-Star. Uh, Al Horford, I, I made the argument last year during the finals that given his entire basketball life, I don't think it's crazy to say he's a Hall of Famer. It's actually quite similar to, to that of Reggie Miller's. Um, you have Malcolm Brogdon, former six-man of the year. So they, they've got guys. It's not to shortchange guys like Jimmy or like like you mentioned, Kyle Lowry or Bam, who's an all-star player. Uh, but Boston's absolutely the more talented team. That's why they won 57 games this year. That's where they were in the finals last year. Um, shifting, though, to – we'll get to your Lakers, but I do want to talk about the Nuggets because this is – Something I talked about on Thursday's show, something I really respected about Denver, is that obviously the last two years, they didn't have a chance because they weren't healthy. Jamal Murray went down in 2021, which totally you know sealed, sealed their fate for that season and obviously wasn't there for the following year. Neither was Michael Porter Jr. They built a core, they drafted a core, and they stuck with the core. Even, even when it was looking a little rough in the in-between, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, of, of Golden State where you, know, you had some... Years where injuries kind of did you in, but you stuck with it and you got a championship out of it. That's what Denver's reminding me a lot of. And also Michael Malone. Listen, we can criticize him for what he says from time to time in the media. The guy's a dang good coach. Uh, mm-hmm. So what's sort of your takeaway on Denver? Uh, obviously, Jokic, I, I think it's fair to say he's been the best player in these playoffs. Uh, just statistically, just in terms of the success that, that Denver's had. What's sort of your main takeaway from Denver getting to the NBA Finals? It is a testament of keeping your core players together through tough times. It's been a – we started paying attention to Denver the night that they took Jokic during a commercial break in the second round, which was a Taco Bell commercial, if I'm not mistaken. It was. From that moment on, you felt like there was a glimmer of hope, a player we didn't know nothing about, and Denver took a gamble on him. The Denver Nuggets have been knocking on the door. I mean, they've been to two Western Conference Finals. They've had some shortcomings. Michael Porter Jr.'s been in and out. You know, Jamal Murray, finally healthy. But the biggest takeaway for me with Denver is that they've been able to break through. Now they have to finish the job. In order to be considered a great team, which we've gave them their props the last, what, about four years or so, and... You know, we've often heard everybody in the media, you know, kind of they're not a real big brand or whatnot. Like, you know, say for the Lakers, they're a small market team. But 
they have to build their team through the draft, and they've done that very, very well. Mike Malone is an underrated coach because when you play in a Western Conference, your team is not often talked about much because it's usually the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, all the the big branded teams are in that conversation. Denver, they're good, but can they win when it matters? And that was the question that they faced the last couple of years or so. Nikola Jokic being the two-time league MVP, and you often say, can you get it done in the postseason? And I always looked at Jokic as a regular season guy, but we just came up short in the postseason. This was their window to do it this year, considering how crowded and deep the West was. With everything that transpired in the Western Conference, they withstood everything. Nikola Jokic has been great. Jamal Murray put on a show against the Lakers or this postseason in general. Michael Porter Jr. has finally been healthy enough to stay on the court. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KCP's been a great 3 and D guy. The journeyman and DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green, those veteran presents that every team needs on their roster. Bruce Brown and that coaching staff. Mike Malone deserves a boatload of credit for building this team and getting them to their first ever NBA uh, Finals appearance in franchise history. And something else, too, that you brought up. Um, I'm glad you brought up Bruce Brown because I feel like he's been one of the more underrated role players in the NBA. I remember back to his days in Brooklyn. He was a huge player for them. And one thing he did uh, very well the last couple of years is he's really improved his three-point shot, so he's been able to stay on the floor more. Um, and, and I think that's something you mentioned, too, is that, you know, we talk about every single, and this is not take credit away from Denver. This, because if I'm taking mm-hmm. away credit from Denver, I'm taking away credit from literally every champion in history or every finalist in history that things got to go your way. You know, you, you do have to have luck on your side from time to time. And I got to admit to you, Patrick, and I, I said it all season long, I thought the East was head and shoulders above the West. I didn't think it was close. Uh, the worst team out East, not the worst team, the biggest disappointment out East was the Milwaukee Bucks going down in a gentleman's sweep in round one. They had the best record in the NBA. I mean, who, who was the was the disappointing the West Memphis was I mean, we never believed in Memphis or Sacramento, who's on the come up, but still not quite ready quite yet. Um, listen, this is a West that I said coming in the playoffs. I feel like I had three contenders, Denver, the Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, and the Lakers took care of one of them. And then Denver showed that I don't think it would have mattered either way, whether they faced Golden State or the Lakers. That probably would have been a wrap either way. Um, and, and so, listen, that's and that's the thing that that I think some people struggle with in terms of how we look at guys different, is that I had Jokic, and I've consistently had him around this area when I've ranked my top players in the NBA. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and pull it up. This is coming into the playoffs. I think this is it. Uh, yeah, top 10 players going to the playoffs. I had Jokic right there at eight. Uh, I had him just a spot below Tatum, uh, Luka, and then top five, Steph, Giannis, KD, LeBron, Embiid. Only reason I have him at eight, I'm like, man, listen, the, the guy has won 
one out of eight, or sorry, one out of nine is last uh, nine playoff games. Like there's, there's gotta be, you know, something to that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so listen, he's averaging a postseason. Uh, he's averaging a post. He's averaging a triple double this postseason. He's shooting like darn near 60% for the field over 40% from three. Like you can't ask for more for the guy. Uh, and you know, he was the Western conference finals MVP. And I thought Jamal Murray might've deserved it, but listen, mm-hmm. Jokic was, was, on another level against one of the best defense players of the league, Anthony Davis. So let's talk about your Lakers. Uh, I said coming out of the series, and it's 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 easy to shift one way or the other that you know when your team wins the championship, you think they're gonna win the next five. When they lose, you you, you think they're never gonna win a game ever again. Like it's I said when the Lakers made all those deals at the deadline. At the time, and then I changed tune. I said they were a contender in March, in February. I'm like, okay, I don't think they're a contender, but I think they're in the playoffs and I think they're a contender next year. Mm-hmm. When you talk about a team that we talk again, we talk about the contenders out West Denver and golden state, pretty much the same roster all season long with a few minor, you know, upgrades here and there. Right. Phoenix obviously added KD. So that's, that's the only other exception with a roster that with that ma- the majority of it was constructed by the Lakers in February, not July, not a preseason trade in September, February. Mm-hmm. You're four wins away from the NBA finals. Patrick, I think you run it back. You fill in a couple of holes, but I think you run it back next year. Am I, am I crazy? Because I think the Kyrie rumors are all are, are, are nuts. So what's what's your take on it? I said on my show this morning, or the four, go check that out on the grid. It LeBron's decision will predicate what the Lakers do. And I did not mention that, but since I'm on the live stream with you, I believe his decision over the next month or two, predicates what the Lakers do. Absolutely. I believe in my heart of hearts, we could run it back. But there, if there's one player Here we that go. I would want on my team right now, he resides in Portland. Mm. Damian Lillard. Trade mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell and that first round pick for Dame Lillard. I don't think they'll take that. I will say it that would, now, we, would, we we would have to probably sweeten the deal and throw in a a Malik Beasley or Mo Bamba, but I'm not getting rid of Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura. No, I'm not no, getting rid no, of no, those no. two. Absolutely not, because D'Lo's play in this series was bad. I've had my reservations on the glass man, Alfred Davis. For the past several months, what is his commitment to basketball? What is his commitment to the offseason? I don't want to hear or see anything of him with a shooting coach. I don't want to see it this time around. I want to see him on the weight room. I want to see him take accountability to have awareness that, yeah, you were terrible in, in games that we needed you throughout the playoffs. LeBron James, aging superstar, 38. The retirement talks, it was kind of like, it feels Tom Brady-esque. To to walk away or not to walk away, what more do I have to accomplish to add to my Hall of Fame career? That's the question that I would ask any Lakers fan right now. I do not want Kyrie Irving whatsoever. I don't want a guy that is not committed to basketball. As great as a player as he is, Bryson, it's not worth the trouble. I can't 
I, I can't fancy it right now. And I'm not seduced or intrigued by Kyrie Irving potentially joining the Lakers, in which I had read the Mavericks are uninterested in doing a sign and trade. Mm. So I'll believe it when I see it, but the biggest elephant in the room is what LeBron James does. If he decides to come back, great. If we can run it back with this team, I'm good. But if there's a deal out there that is intriguing, you got to roll the dice. I mean, LeBron's got maybe one good year left because I think the year after this, after, in 2025, is a player option. If I'm not mistaken, because I, I think, think it's 2024 year, is a player 20, option. Yeah, because he because option. he structured he structured the deal so that he could opt out and play with Bronny. That's that's why he signed the deal that he did last year, say with the Lakers, okay. and maybe opt out in 2024. But yeah, and that 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 narrative of wanting to play with Bronny, it can happen, but he understands that it may not happen depending on, you know, how the CBA and all that's structured. And, I mean, for me, I would love to see him come back. But if that was his last game as a basketball player, he left it all on the court. I can't say the same about Anthony Davis. I can't say the same thing about him. Because we all know when the pressure mounts, Anthony Davis disappears. It's it's pretty it's pretty sad to an extent. I mean, you can look at certain games throughout the regular season and throughout the postseason. Austin Reeves was telling AD, "Give us something." He was playing stagnant on defense. He was getting punked by Nikola Jokic, if I'm not mistaken, in Game Three or Game Four. I see Barry sent me a a clip where Austin Reeves is basically telling AD, "Give us something." And wow. then LeBron's looking at him, like, staring him down. And then they go, like, a couple possessions later, he gets punked again. And LeBron's walking to the bench and staring down AD. AD's body language says, I don't want to be a great player. He's not an alpha. And as a Lakers fan, I believe that's something I had to accept to a degree. All Laker big men have been great. We all look at what he did in the bubble. He was on his best behavior because he was playing for a new contract. Yep. He got the contract, but he's had some freakish injuries at the wrong place at the wrong time. So this is a very unusual offseason since Kobe Bryant's last season in 2016. It's very unusual, but I trust that Rob Polinka could get something done. And if LeBron comes back, if he has the foot surgery, just run it back with the team we got. But if there's a deal out there that's intriguing, that's going to put our chances to get back to the Western Conference Finals, roll the dice and see what happens. Fun fact, this will actually, if he does undergo the foot surgery, this will actually be the first surgery of his career, which is mind-blowing. Uh, just goes to mm-hmm. how durable that he's been. Uh, and, and, you know, listen, I will say this. If, if you... If you move D'Angelo Russell to first round pick and get Dame in, in return, name GM of the year or executive of the year after Rob Polinka because he'll have pulled one in Portland if that's the case. Uh, I think you almost have to go up Anthony Davis if you want to make a move for Dame Lillard. Well, what it comes down to, most, uh, most first and foremost, does Dame want to go to LA? Does Dame want to get leave Portland to begin with? I know he's put some pressure on the organization. Uh, 
that that's that's kind of a wait and see situation. I think he'd be, I think Dame would also outside of LA be a great fit in Miami. They could really use him right now. Uh, but I, I'm glad you sort of address the. Well, there's really two elephants in the room. The one is the LeBron retirement rumors, and the second one is 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 Coin Flip Davis, who consistently game in game out. You're not sure what you're going to get. <laughs> You know, in terms of now, defensively, he's been fairly consistent outside of the Denver series, uh, which is why it just pissed me off that he had one coin flip Davis game against Golden State. Can't you have at least two? Uh, it's okay. We weren't winning anyway this year. I've accepted it. Anyways, Anthony Davis is a guy who struggled to stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I used to call him uh, AD always down. Southern San Fran, Anthony Davis stands for always down. And like you mentioned, he's not an alpha. At some point, this is his... Uh, his first healthy season was 2013. So he's really 10 years in now. Some point, 10 years in, this is kind of who he is. Same thing kind of with Kyrie Irving. At some point, we're seven years post-Cleveland. This is kind of who Kyrie is. I think the same could be said uh, about one Anthony Davis. I've suggested in a perfect world for the Lakers, you move AD for Dame, and you probably have to give him a first-round pick with that as well, but that's fine. You're playing for the present. You worry about the future once LeBron retires. And you move Mo Bamba to the big and maybe sign like a JaVale McGee or bring somebody else like that to sort of be that your backup center. Uh, Austin Reeves is just getting better. Uh, so listen, how about, how about this? How about this trade scenario? Can we have Anthony Davis and you have Jordan Poole? <laughs> hey, uh, I don't it? know, but I don't know about that. I mean, AD and go to state, Steve Kerr will be hard on him. I know that's the problem. And Steph, and there, there's a certain culture in Golden State versus L.A. Mm. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You thought the fans in LA were bad and booing him. Your Warriors fans would be worse because they're not going to tolerate that lack of effort. I mean, a change of scenery could be good, but. I don't know if I'd be able to put up with Jordan Poole. I, 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 I think I think he's better fit elsewhere besides LA and Golden State. That's that's just me. Uh, listen, I, I'm just I'm just shopping across the NBA and to see what what we can get for him. Anybody in the league can have him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can have him too. All right, we have a comment here from Grady. He says, y'all think the reason everyone has been talking about the Lakers a week after getting smoked by the Nuggets is because the, the comic sort of ends there or because of the media media bias? Or I mean, look, in the day, the Lakers are the Dallas Cowboys. They're the New York Yankees. They're Duke basketball. They're Real Madrid. We're going to talk about them regardless of whether we really should be or not. And you add the component of LeBron James being there, and that sort of you know changes things entirely. Um but look, I, I don't think this is a. I saw a lot of sort of. I don't know about you. You're you're a Lakers fan. You're more active in these circles than I am. But I saw more sort of doom and gloom than I feel like maybe I should have. You know, I, in terms of Lakers social media after the series is over, I think there's a lot of positive to take away from it. But we'll see what happens. Last quick thing because this came in about two hours ago. Nick Nurse now going to be the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Woj just reported. Uh, 
real quick, I'll give my take. I, I think Nick Nurse is one of the more underrated coaches uh, in the NBA. Listen, he did coach Toronto to a championship, and people forget the year after Kawhi left, you know, again, Nick Nurse, the coach. Toronto was the two seed in the in the East the very next year with basically the same roster minus Kawhi. So Nick Nurse is a heck of a coach and you know was able to sort of elevate that team to a place that maybe Dwayne Casey couldn't quite do. Uh, so I think in terms of coaching, he's absolutely not great over Doc Rivers. The one component I worry about actually is not James Harden because James Harden I don't think is going to be a 76er next year. Mm-hmm. It's the big man. It's yep. whether or not, and this is where Nick Nurse comes into play, whether or not he's going to be receptive to changing his game slightly. Not, 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 you know, sort of changing who he is as a player. That not, not asking that he did win an MVP after all, but we talk about with James Harden back his days in Houston, one-on-one, you know, you know, our guy, Charles Barkley, dribble, dribble, dribble. It's kind of a similar situation with, with Joel Embiid. He gets the ball in, in you know, in, in the post jab, set, pump, fake, jab, set, jab, set, pump, fake, dribble, 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 as Chuck would say. And he's, he's bleeding, you know, 12 seconds off the shot clock. It helps the defense. Nobody else is getting going, getting touches, uh, and, and keeping the defense guessing. So I wonder if Nick Nurse is going to bring a similar, uh, maybe Raptors fans would know better than me, bring a similar sort of philosophy that I'm you know, thinking about to Philadelphia. But what's what's your thoughts on the Nick Nurse hiring in Philadelphia? It's a solid hire and for the most part. Uh, Nick Nurse and Daryl Morey have history together, if I'm not mistaken. So it was an opportunity for those two to get, you know, back in the fold to work together. The 76ers as a team, I think Joel Embiid has to change his game if he's wanting to get to the conference finals. As we've seen with Joel and the team they have around him, we don't know nothing about these guys outside of Maxi, Matisse, uh, Thigh Bully, and Tobias Harris, who pretty much fleeced the 76ers a few oh, years ago, him and Ben Simmons. And I've said this numerous times, just, just get off the topic a little bit. If the 76ers have ch- had re-signed Jimmy Butler over Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, they will be in this predicament right now, in all honesty. But back back to the, the Nick Nurse hiring, I think it's going to be – Rather, Joel Embiid is going to be receptive because Nick Nurse in his office, everybody touches the ball. It's almost like a Greg Popovich-style offense to to an extent. Hmm. So Joel Embiid has won an MVP, has managed to stay fairly healthy, but you have to realize that the team cannot go as – they could go as you go. But other guys have got to get involved. And that bleeding out the shot clock is got has got to go. And that's going to be the first order of business with Nick Nurse. I mean yeah. go ahead. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because now I think the Sixers have really they've hit the reset button to a degree. I mean they've got the you know, James Harden's not coming back, but you still got Joel Embiid. Maxi, Thibuli, Joel Tobias Harris. Nick Nurse is going to bring a different offense to this team. They're going to be better efficiently, and I think their defense is going to be a little bit better too. But I don't expect Joel Embiid to keep playing this same style of basketball where it's isolation and everybody else is just standing around looking. 
wanting to touch the ball. But if he's your best player, your best player's got to get everybody else involved in order to become a champion. One player cannot do it alone. Some of the great players in the past learned that the hard way. You construct a team around them, and you run with it. But if you keep you keep firing and hiring coaches every two years, there's no continuity. But right. Philadelphia screwed themselves when they fired Brett Brown and brought in Doc Rivers. Brett Brown got this team one lucky shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals against the coach that they just hired. That's interesting. What's crazy is Philadelphia is going to – they expect a championship every year regardless of what sports team it is. As a Cowboys fan and a Lakers fan, I despise anything Philadelphia. I like Dr. J and Allen Iverson the only two players in Philadelphia sports history that will be in my workspace. No other Philadelphia sports player will be. But for the Sixers' sake – are they are they still in that window to win? Can they finally put it all together with Nick Nurse? Because we, as we've seen, the East was deep this year. Mm-hmm. They got the break of breaks when Milwaukee went out in the first round. Yep. Brooklyn, despite all the chaos they had for the past two years, that was a semi. That was a preparation to get them ready. But they ran up against a team that they likely should have beaten without blowing a 3-2 lead. But that falls on Doc Rivers, which is the scariest movie known to man. <laughs> Doc Rivers in a, in a case. <laughs> but it varies all over that one for sure. But the but the Sixers, I mean, they're I don't know if I would still consider them a title contender, man. I, I don't know because Embiid. Is an MVP player. He's an all-star. He's a superstar. But he hasn't gotten it done in the postseason. Can Nick Nurse push the right buttons for this team to finally get over the hump? That's going to be the biggest hurdle for them to cross in 2024. I don't think, given like you mentioned how deep the Eastern Conference is, I don't think this year they'll be a title contender. Uh, I think Boston's we, – we listen, they're going to be a title contender for at least the next five. Milwaukee's going to come back. They just made a new hiring their head coach. We'll see how he's able to work out. But they'll be fine. Giannis will come back be- back better than ever. I really am interested. The team I'm really watching this offseason in terms of what they do is the Knicks because the Knicks were kind of the shock of the East. Do they move on from Julius Randle? Do they plug in a few pieces? Like they could maybe be a, a scary threat out East. Cleveland, obviously, with their young talent. So, uh, listen, there's there's a lot of – obviously, Miami. Let's let's not shortchange Miami. Miami's going to be back, and, and we understand what they are and what they represent. So, next year, I don't buy into Philly as a title contender. I could be wrong, but I do think Nick Nurse is, is an upgrade. Uh, have a couple of comments from Grady. He says, I like Brett Brown, but Ben Simmons got him fired. Dude should have been fired regardless. He took him as far as they could have gone. He was kind of like Mark Jackson of the Sixers for Joel Embiid. That's a fair point. I mean, I, I think Brett Brown is more the developmental type of coach as opposed to the, you know, sort of puts you over the top coach. Uh, and then, like you said, uh, uh, Grady, Ben Simmons, uh, uh, we don't. We try not to mention that name too too much of the show. It's it's almost a, a cuss word. I should bleep it out. I should bleep it out. I feel bad. 
Grady, as for uh, Doc Rivers, I'm with you, I think. They probably just hired the wrong guy. Don't get me wrong. He was awful for Philly, was, an, uh, was is a consistent coach, and did a solid job, but he just couldn't get over the hump. And that's that's kind of been his history. I think this is seven or eight. I forgot the number of times he's blown it. Minimum a 3-2 lead. Three times he's blown a 3-1 lead, which no other coach has even done that twice. So that's Doc Rivers' history, and that is that is what it is. So uh, you sort of alluded to it earlier, Patrick. Before we let you get out of here, what who wins tonight, and do you have a score in mind? Boston wins game seven. Okay. I think it's a I think it's a Nifitech game in the first half. Oh, okay. Because Jimmy Butler knows what's at stake. Boston, they're at home. That crowd's gonna be amazing. Can Kyle Lowry and the Dark Horses come along for the ride for Jimmy Butler to get over the hump? I think the game runs away with itself midway in the third quarter. Boston starts to put this day to bed. I expect Jalen Brown to be the score 30. Give me 35 from Jason Tatum. They'll could buy for 65 points. I'll take Boston. And the score I would go with, one, give me Boston, 115, Miami, 105. It's going to be relatively close. I think Miami pull tries to get back in the game early fourth, but Boston's going to have that momentum. And I say 115, 105, Boston moving on to face the different Nuggets. Game one for the NBA Finals on Thursday night. I can't wait. Let's go. All right, Patrick, the host of the Forum Podcast, uh, which is a Lakers show here at The Grid, and, of course, the host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Uh, plug your stuff real quick. Yeah, the the uh, the Forum, the Los Angeles Lakers Podcast, can be found on The Grid along with my other podcast, Chaotic Sports. Both are available on The Grid. Be sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram at the forum underscore 17. You can follow me on Twitter at Showtime underscore P Brown. And with this being the conclusion of Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody who's on this stream and watching on live and listening to the audio later on, be sure to take care of your mental health. Do all you can to use the resources with your employer or within your community to seek therapy. It's okay. It's not be okay. I am a survivor and I still see therapy. So to all those out there who are listening and watching, spread love, be kind, and make sure you're in a safe space mentally, spiritually, intimately, and physically. If nobody told you today that they love you, I love you. I may not know you from Adam and Eve, but I spread love and I give you all a hug from a mile away. So Bryson, continue to use your platform and to use your voice and be a difference maker in your community and within your platform. I love you with all my heart and our brotherhood is deeper than sports. So from my family to yours, continue to stay safe and take care of your mental health. 
God bless you, brother. Going to have to do this thing again. And uh, everybody check out the forum and the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Patrick, have a great evening. Enjoy the game. And uh, stay safe, stay safe, my brother. All right. Take care, Bryson. That was Patrick of the Chaotic Sports Podcast and the forum. Shout out to him as always. He is one of the better guys uh, in this business. There's no question about it. Uh, and he makes some interesting points. And, and uh, Grady's sort of alluding to it in the comments. He says, I will say this. Look at what Nick Nurse did with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and those guys in Toronto. Did a solid job developing him. Absolutely. Both guys, all-star level players. I've actually suggested Golden State trade for pa Pascal Siakam. I think he'd be a perfect fit uh, with the Warriors. Um, Jordan Poole, of course, Toronto. You can have him. Uh, and Fred Van Vliet's a guy who we looked at as like, yeah, kind of a nice like spot-up shooter, six-man type of dude. So now it's like, dude, he made the all-star game. Like, not that long ago. So, uh, yeah, Nick Nurse deserves all the credit in the world. And the Raptors coaching staff, which that's actually where Milwaukee got their new head coach, was from Toronto. Uh, Ad was it Adrian? I don't want to butcher his name. I think Adrian Phillips is the guy's name. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Uh, look at Woj's Twitter feed. I think it was Adrian Phillips. Adrian Griffin. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad, coach. Adrian Griffin is the new head coach of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, who they hired over the weekend. Listen, he comes from the Nick Nurse tree, so uh, I think it's going to be a solid move. Uh, happy holidays to you, uh, John. John, like I said, uh, obviously everybody enjoying the day off, but never forgetting the the reason for uh, why we why we acknowledge this Memorial Day. In which, you know, after that game was over Saturday night, it was one of those where I just uh, once I sort of I, I went on IG live like 15 minutes, 15 20 minutes after the game was over, did my best to sort of. Put on a, a, a face meant for podcasting and IG living and whatnot and, and trying to break down the game the best of my ability, break down the last play. But there's some moments, that being one of them, where you just sit back, you say, man, I love sports. <laughs> you know, that was unless you're a Miami Heat fan, of course. I, listen, I was talking to a Heat fan yesterday. It was just crushed. It's just, you know, who could blame him? Uh, I, it's, there was that video from a wedding on Saturday nights where it's all Heat fans. They're watching the game on their phone at the reception, and they see the smart shot miss. They see the buzzer sound, and they go crazy. And the video ends. Obviously, I'm, you know they found out that oh crap, Derek White got a follow through, and we have to go play Game Seven in Boston, Massachusetts. Like I said, I love sports, and tonight with the Denver Nuggets sitting back, relaxing for a week, getting themselves ready for the NBA Finals. They will be watching, as well as the rest of America and the rest of the world, to see who the Eastern Conference champion will be. Will it be the eight-seed Miami Heat or the two-seed, the Boston Celtics, as I will predict, Game 7 right now. Get the background music. Here we go. So, I am in a lose-lose position. I am. Because before this series started two weeks ago to the day, as I was trying to lick my wounds, maybe I, should, I, don't, I don't want to blame it all on that, but licking my wounds from my Warriors getting housed in Game 6 by the Lakers to have our season come to an end, our repeat hopes come to an end. Two weeks ago, I said Boston in 7 over Miami. I said this go-around, there'd be a Game Last year, Game 7 was in Miami because the Heat were the one seed. This year, Game 7 will, of course, be uh, in Beantown at the TD Garden, in which I said Boston would sort of avenge almost handing Game 7 to Miami last year, in which Jimmy Butler obviously had a good look at a three, could have won the game essentially and missed it. This year, they'll take care of business in a Game 7 and do some more in convincing fashion. 
But last week, to the day, last Monday, with the heat up three games to one, obviously I am seemingly every sane person. Now I'm starting to question my own sanity and my own uh, basketball intellect, at least with this pick I am, saying it's over, saying the series is over. And I issued a heartfelt apology to heat culture, to the organization, to that amazing fan base and that amazing city because they deserved it. Because I believed in y'all all season long and I ditched y'all at the last second predicting the Eastern Conference Finals. But I also, this is why I'm in a lose-lose situation, I also firmly believe in take integrity. What does that mean? It means when I make a prediction, when I have a an opinion, I live or I die by my, by my opinion, or in more appropriate terms, a game. If I'm predicting a game, because there's a right or wrong. Like, we can have opinions on whatnot, who's the best player... A game. There's a winner and there's a loser. That's what makes sports great. So what should I do? Should I stick with pick integrity, which I don't ever want to ditch, or should I stick with my apology? Because at the end of the day, apology doesn't mean anything if you don't show the action. It's just, it's just words at that point. Boston's a seven and a half point favorite in case you were wondering, in case you're doing any betting on this game. Even if I were a betting man, I'm not touching this game. Okay, this is one of those. Just let it let it play out. It's game seven. As Patrick said, best two words in sports. Boston will be looking to do something that, ironically, the Bruins of the NHL have done twice. And the Red Sox of Major League Baseball did once. My Red Sox back in 2004, in part to break the curse of the Bambino. How, how, uh, but by the way, John, John, if you're in here, yes, we, you guys blow a 3 0 lead, so maybe the, the Miami Heat could join you, but you know, Sox came back from a 3 0 lead on the New York Yankees, and that's, that was, uh, I, I wish I was aware of what was going on at the time. Point is, Boston has a history of comebacks, and of course, as Patrick brought up, the Patriots 28 3 comeback on the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Here's what I do know if Boston wins, it's gonna look like game five, where it's a Wired, maybe not necessarily wire to wire, but they control throughout. Tatum gets going, the others get going. Your Grant Williams, your uh, your Robert Williams, your Al Horford, your Malcolm Brogdon is going to play tonight with an injured elbow. Marcus Smart, he'll he'll you know knock down four to five threes. If Miami wins, it'll look like game one or game two or almost game six because coming off of as gut-wrenching a loss as you could possibly imagine. You are literally two points, not two seconds, point two seconds away from the NBA Finals. And here comes Derek White to save the day for the Boston Celtics. And here we are today for a Game 7. Here's what I do know. Everybody's bringing up, oh, it's the, the you know the home crowd. It's going to be loud. It's going to be loud in Boston. I'm not discounting that for a second, but oh, the home court advantage for the Celtics is going to be a big deal. Is it? Is it? Because I don't know that. Ever since the second round last year against the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston has at times struggled at home to win these games. A year ago, against the Bucks, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, against the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics were 2-2 two two at home, lost game one and game five, albeit they won the series in seven. Against the same Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, they were one and two at home in the Eastern Conference Finals. In the first round, two and one against Atlanta, 
foot loss to a weird game five that they should have won convincingly. No DeJounte Murray, and yet Trey Young goes off. Part of that's the greatness of Trey Young, and you blow that game in which you had a late lead. Last round against the Philadelphia 76ers. You go two and two. You lose game one. You drop game five in pretty convincing fashion. And in this series, one and two, including dropping the first two games at home in this series. So I don't think Boston has consistently over the last two postseasons been a better road playoff team than home. Why that is, I don't know. Is it the pressure of playing in a sports uh, enriched history like Boston is? I don't know. I I have no clue. Maybe they like being the villains. Maybe they like going into other people's arenas and, and, you know, being the guy to take out the hero, being the team to take out the hero, in this case, the Miami Heat. I don't get it. What I do know is Boston's 8-1 in elimination games. Boston loves these moments. That one loss comes to the Golden State Warriors, by the way. Jason Tatum averages 30 in elimination games. Celtics, obviously, three-game winning streak. Jimmy Butler, since game two, has not been playoff Jimmy. I love Jimmy. He ain't been that dude. Now, end of game six, he got in a roll. Got the and one, hit a three, hit those three free throws. Like, he played big down the stretch. Hit a free throw before that. Patrick Brown said, Jimmy's got to be the dude who gets, you know, sets the tone for Miami. I don't know about a 23-point quarter. If he does that, boss is in big trouble. But 15-point quarter. Knock down shots in rhythm. Maybe knock down a three here or there. You know, have, have Boston sort of fear him from out there. Get guys, you know, build the confidence of guys like a Duncan Robinson who had a rough minute and a half stretch as did Gabe Vincent and company. And Bam Adebayo cannot get worked on the glass. By Robert Williams and by Al Horford, the way he did, or the way he has most of the series. Certainly the offensive end, there's no question about that. Oh, this is, I'm going to close my, literally close my eyes and hit this graphic. Thus making uh, my pick of this game. Okay. The winner of game seven. What do I pick? My apology to Heat fans or pick integrity? Heat, Celtics. The winner of Game 7, and thus the team that will be advancing to the 2023 NBA Finals to take on the Denver Nuggets, will be the Miami Heat. The Heat will win Game 7, 109-107, and they will advance to the NBA Finals take on the Denver Nuggets in the NBA's ultimate stage. I went through with my apology. I ditched my pick, which is not something I do. Heat fans, no, leave the fans out of this. The Miami Heat team, led by Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, Kevin and company. Jimmy and the Dark Horses. Please come through for me. Because I did something for you that I never do, and that's abandon my pick. When that seems to be the consensus today, everybody's picking Boston. Can't say I blame them. It ain't like Miami's got a ton of momentum coming in this game. But if there's any team in any organization that can bounce back from not just a crushing loss, but three straight losses after being up 3-0, 
Wouldn't it be the Miami Heat? By the way, Eric Spolstra is a key in this game. I trust him more than I coach than I trust Joe Missoula. I'm gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna take the Miami Heat. 109, 107. Jalen Brown misses a walk-off three at the buzzer, and the Heat advance. That is what I will go with. I know I'm in the minority, and I understand that. Which is why, because the finals start on Thursday, I will actually be back tomorrow. I'm going to do a show, not as long of a show as today or as usual, but I'm going to do a show tomorrow, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, uh, tomorrow, Twitter, fa uh, not Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Grid Network, and Carving It Up YouTube channel. I'm going to react to tonight's Game 7, talk about the NBA Finals a little bit, may have a guest on, we'll see. I feel like I'm going regret to regret this, but I have, listen, my word has to mean something. If I apologize to the Heat fans and the Heat team, the Heat culture, I got to go through with it. Heat 109, Celtics 107. One thing I do know, I cannot wait for this Game 7. So, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch a special episode of Carving It Up Live tomorrow to react to Game 7 at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific Time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, of which my guest, amazing guest Patrick Brown, uh, hosts two podcasts, podcasts on there, the Forum and the Chaotic Sports Podcast, as well as other amazing content creators on the network. We've added some, some new talent in recent months, so very excited to have them aboard. Uh, and yeah, subscribe to the Grid. You, you listen, can't say I didn't tell you first. And that everybody else here at The Grid did not tell you in advance. We are really growing the channel, the network as a whole, and we're very, very excited about it. So continue to support The Grid. We really appreciate it. And those who haven't subscribed, please do so to my channel and to The Grid Network's YouTube channel. Which is also, by the way, where you can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Game 7 tonight. I'll say it one more time. Heat 109, Celtics 107. And I'm going to live and die by that pick. I never switch picks, but I had to fall through in my apology. Have a great evening, everybody. Again, do not forget, all of us, not forget what this day is all about. Uh, remembering those, our fallen heroes who gave everything uh, for us, for this country. Uh, so that we could uh, have the freedoms that we have today. Again, this is far, far, far from a perfect country, uh, but there are certain rights and liberties that we have that simply put other countries don't. So do not forget, none, let none of us forget the, the fallen heroes who gave it all. Have a greeting, everybody. Enjoy Game 7. I'll see y'all tomorrow. God bless you all. Peace out. I hope I'm right. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. 
Samsung. More wow than ever.